This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Ingress. The English Digital Online Sales have changed the landscape of mixed Australian thoroughbred sales forever. Now, rather than wait for a mixed sale through the ring, owners, breeders and vendors can offer their product within a matter of days thanks to the twice-monthly English Digital Online Auctions. English now presents an online auction in the middle of each month and another at the end. Since going twice monthly, the auction has averaged around 150 lots per sale and has exceeded a million dollars per sale with a clearance rate of almost 80%. To enter a horse or register a bid, visit englishdigital.com and follow the prompts or call 9399 7999. Former jockey Malcolm Fitzgerald couldn't believe his luck just over three years ago when Racing New South Wales CEO Peter Volandis offered him a dream opportunity. The controlling body had purchased a 32-hectare property at Oxley Island near Taree, which they intended to develop as a base for retired racehorses awaiting rehoming. Malcolm had been working for Racing New South Wales as an apprentice's mentor since his retirement from race riding some 17 years earlier, and he seemed the ideal candidate to take on a job which would take him back to the life he loved most of all, a hands-on, everyday involvement with horses. Malcolm and his partner Holly are now running a well-appointed property called The Grange, which is home to over 60 retired racehorses. Malcolm and Holly get to assess the likely future of every horse, be it show jumping, eventing, dressage, pleasure riding. Sometimes they even send a horse to riding for the disabled. It's a very busy but rewarding life for two outstanding horse people. Malcolm's career as a professional jockey was cut all too short by constant weight problems, several nasty injuries and one very serious illness. Despite his limited time in the saddle, he was able to win 400 races, which included several stakes events. He got to ride for a number of Sydney's high-profile stables, including Nebo Lodge at the height of its fame in the 1980s. It's a great pleasure to welcome to the podcast Malcolm Fitzgerald from the mid-north coast of New South Wales. Great to talk, Mal. Uh, my pleasure, Tappy. My pleasure, champion. We're recording the podcast on Sunday, November the 24th, and you've been dealing with the bushfire situation for three weeks now. You actually had to evacuate some of your horses a fortnight ago. Did that go smoothly? Yeah, it did, Tappy. We uh, moved the horses out on the Saturday evening and um, and the fire come down to the back of our house on the Wednesday night. I left at 9.30. I was there armed with the fire hose and the pump and mm. tank of water, and she come down the hill, and she was too big. I said, no, you can have it if you want it. Oh. I'm out of here. So, um, yeah, I left. There was a few neighbours that I rallied up with us, and um, there was a couple of old stages stayed, but the fire come down to probably 300 yards from all of us and went round us, thank God. Mm. Yeah, we were very lucky, very lucky and out at Wirral Flat, Little Run Road. Yep. 
that's where you live and, of course, uh, yeah. as far as Oxley Island was concerned, how close did it get to the horses there? Probably 200 metres, Tappy. It come, uh, we were getting in by boat. The boat, uh, the roads were closed and um, Stone's Oysters um, up at Harrington were awesome enough to, you know, phone call and they'd run us down in the boat and we'd get off at the riverbank and go and feed more of the horses. Some nights I stayed there um, and days just because just of the embers were just too big and too close, you know, a spot fire. Um, but um, we were lucky, Tappy. Bit of, hair, bit of hair raising, you couldn't breathe too much, but um, we were lucky. The fireys do just, everyone loves the fireys. They're just amazing, mate. So yeah. thank God for them and the volunteers, magnificent. Now, Malcolm, from your personal viewpoint and the viewpoint of your partner, Holly, how scary was it? Oh, it was, it was here. I thought that at home the house was going to go. It was huge, Tabby. Mm. It was huge. I just went, there's no way I can fight you. No. It was too big, too big, too much fuel. You know, there's probably been 40 years. Of, there hasn't been a fire through there, so there was a, a lot of heat in it. Um, as for Oxley Island, um, it was either side of us, the winds. There was a fire on our left and there was a fire on our right and the winds were blowing directly to us. Mm. So I was praying that it went either side of us. Um, we had... Uh, we've got 65 horses there, so, you know, there was no moving them. There was just, you know, keeping them safe. Um, so we just had to sit it out and thank God we, you know, the winds were in our favour and it didn't get to us. Now, what's the situation as we speak? Yeah, pretty good, Tappy, in regards to um, there's not, not too much to burn out at Wirral Flat where I live, um, it's all burn around us, right around us, everywhere, so we're pretty lucky there. And as for Oxley Island, um, it's if it flared up there, it'd be a spot, spot fire and we would have to um, just put it out. There's no not a huge amount of big, huge trees. It's pretty clean. The country's pretty clean. Mm. Um, we're cleaning up, tidying up any little area. Um, PV's give us the okay to for some trees to be um, tidied up, so um, that'll happen hopefully next week, and mm. and it should be good. Fire tankers there, and and we're sort of set if something does happen, Tabby. Thank God. Mm. Now, Mel, the locals obviously are hoping it'll be another forty years before the next one comes through. Well, hopefully they they burn off every two or three years, winter time through these big forests, mate. And then we won't get so much heat and it won't be so big. It'll be more manageable. Hopefully they can do that, you know. Um, but if that's up to the governments and the politicians to organise that, mm. but I think that's the best thing. Well, I hope they've got it right at the top of their agenda. <laughs> that and water. We need to pray for rain. Mm. Not as bad. It's shocking. We need water. Now, Mo, let's hear about this lovely property you're managing for racing New South Wales. It was originally a dairy farm. Later yes. on, it became a training centre and a stud yes. farm for a trainer called Steve Fell. Yes. What facilities does it offer you? Um, well, firstly, we've got there's 12 beautiful stables um, that we bring the horses in that are in work. Um, we've got beautiful flat ground, um, huge Kikuya paddocks. Um, good fencing. We're tidying up some fencing, but it offers us a, an, an opportunity to retrain these 
X-ray sources, put them in the paddocks, let them become a horse again, put them with their mates, bring them in, and um, we sort of train them out of the paddock, which is good. Um, there's some small yards that we bring some in that do better in in the yard. There's some horses like being in. Most of them like being out, but some of them like being in. Um, and we've got a beautiful dressage arena. Um, we hope to one day get a, an indoor arena, but we have the opportunity to go to the RDA at um, Rainbow Flat mm-hmm. and um, and use their facilities when it's too when it rains or it's too hot. Which is awesome. We um, go to the RDA, and that's the best thing, Tappy. We go there, mm. put them on the float. They think they're going to the races, and then they go there and tie up to the float. And um, it's the same as when we take them out to Dennis Piggott's at, um, at the Wingham Show Jumping um, competition. We take them there, and they um, tie up the side of the float. They're not going to the races. They let down and. They know that they're not going to the races, so mm. two or three times out and about, and then we've got a kid, a horse that we can take to pony club, and you know, or a jumping dressage, where whatever you know that horse has been aimed at. Yep. Well, you're currently looking after more than sixty. I presume the majority of them are geldings, are they? We've probably got more mares of late. We've probably got fifteen mares, Have you? but the rest yeah. of them are geldings. Yes, Tappy. There's sixty-five on the place, so there's fifty geldings and about fifteen mares. Yeah. Now, Mel, do you get people calling in at the Grange or arranging appointments to talk to you about the availability of a horse to suit their particular needs? If you get somebody. Uh, who wants a show jumper or a trail rider or a hacker or whatever the case might be, you try to find them the right horse out of your herd. Yeah, that's definitely right, Tappy. And um, we've also got Princess Farm and Bandanora and the jail at Musselbrook. Um, so we can nearly find a horse to suit that client. Um, and we're, we've had uh, – we've only ever – we've had one horse come back mm-hmm. out of um, three years and he'll, he'll be all right again. Mm-hmm. But we've got a pretty good record. We just match them up. They um, they show, show us. We put them on a pony or send us videos, and we put them on Maximus. They come and we assess their riding ability and mm-hmm. make sure that it's a good match. And they can take the horse on trial, mm-hmm. month's trial, um, and then they sort, you know, you sort the wheat from the chaff and whether it's a good match or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nine times out of ten, Tappy, it's, it's all, um, you know, pretty good for the the client and and the horse. Mm, Well, that's where your experience comes into it. You know which horse will suit which client. Yeah, well, that's – Holly's a huge help there too, Tappy, you know. Mm, mm. Um, But we've got – We've got a good client base, and um, we're going to target. We're targeting the jumpers, and um, you know, we had a few horses de- like Delectation Delboy. Mm. Um, he went down to the Spur program. Um, he's still a part of the Spur program for the returned servicemen and women um, that suffer from PTSD. Um, and he won 1.6 million. He was trained mm. by Chris Waller. He's a beautiful, big, quiet horse, lovely animal. Mm. Um, you know, we've got other horses that have been targeted in the dressage. Um, Ecuador was with Gay, run second and third. The Winks. Mm. He's um he's a beautiful, beautiful horse. He's gone to Sydney. Um, he had a bit of coaching with us, and then he went up to um Cassie Smiths, and um, she does a little bit with us and at Port Macquarie and put some finishing touches on him and he went to a great home. Mm. So, um, yeah, there's plenty of horses, trail riding, dressage, polo cross, jumping, 
kids' ponies, mm. um, pony club, yeah. Let's take the case of the retired racehorse who comes straight off the track to your yes. place. Now, I imagine the very first thing you've got to do is get him off that high-grain diet. Definitely, Tabby. First thing they do is they have a good spell. Mm. They don't get any hot feed here with us. Um, it's all cool feed. When they come into work, um, they go in the paddock, have a good spell. Some can be six months, some can be 12 months. They go in the line and we see how they are. And, you know, we've had horses come to us that you, you, wouldn't, you couldn't catch. There was one fellow there you couldn't catch for um, seven months. He wouldn't, you wouldn't catch. You had to run him down a, a rail, in a race into a little yard to catch him. And mm. and then one day I was walking to the paddock and he just nudged me in the back of me and said, G'day. And, you know, from that day on, he was forever in your face. Yeah, yeah. So it, was, it just took him a long time to come round. And, um, you know, with time and, and that's the essence, the essence we have, we do have time. There's no rush. So um, we give him the time, take the grain out of him, the heat out of him, let him be a horse, you know, take him back to going slow and remount them. And, um, and, yeah, hopefully they come back to us, mate. And, and nine times out of ten, they do. They Jim. do, of course. You'll get an odd rogue, Mel. That that'll happen. There's a couple there that won't won't ever be rehomed, but they'll still stay with us. Yep. You know, um, you know. There's a couple of, I've had some horses that you couldn't ride, um, but they're quite the handle, quite the brush, quite yep. to do anything else. But just under saddle, we couldn't we couldn't place them in the right no. care. But anyone you know that wanted a companion horse that wasn't that wasn't going to be ridden quite as a lamb. Yep. Perfect, you know. So yep. there's sort of um, different categories. They've got to fit, but the racehorse is so versatile, Tappy. Mm. He's an incredible animal. That's it. We're so lucky. That's it. Thank God for the racehorse, mate. That's all I can say. So anybody looking for a four-legged lawnmower, you can probably help <laughs> them out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. We'll <laughs> have to get a bit of rain first, Tappy. Oh, <laughs> get some grass. <laughs> get some grass growing, Chief. Now, um, Mel, Holly... Yeah. Is English by birth, and yes. she was backpacking in Australia when you met her on the <laughs> yeah. famous Crowdy Head Beach. Yeah, and that's correct, Abby. You'd often ride a thoroughbred along the beach there with the strangest entourage <laughs> trailing close behind you. Now, what was that entourage? Uh, I'd have um, Merlin. He's a miniature horse, and he'd just come. If I whistled, he'd just come, yeah. and um, he'd follow me and, and a sheep. Um, William and a blue cattle dog. <laughs> William, and, um, William. <laughs> yeah, William, he was a champion, William. And, yeah. um, yeah, and Merlin, uh, you just, I was, come on, boys, we're going to the beach, you know. So um, you'll just put the horse on, the sheep, the dog, and the other little pony, or miniature horse, he'd be dirty on me if I called him a pony. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, we'd go to the beach, and they were just, yeah, they're beautiful, Tappy, you know, they follow you and, a lot of people got enjoyment out of it, you know, mm. kids and people walking up and down the beach, you know. Well, you'd look like the Pied Piper of Hamelin coming along there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here comes the sheep man. <laughs> yeah. What was the blue cattle dog's name? You forgot to mention it. Rusty. 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 <laughs> Rusty. Yeah, he's a champion. Yeah. Now, was Holly actually riding a horse when you first met her? No, no, no. She was having breakfast and I was there early and she saw the horses and she came over and had a yarn and uh, she wanted to 
you know, have a ride on the beach. And I said, well, everyone says they can ride. Here's my license. Mm-hmm. Take a photo of that, send that to your mum and give us a call and come to where I live and I'll put you on in an arena and make sure you can ride. And, mm-hmm. and then she did and clearly could see that she'd ridden because she'd ridden track work in England for um, probably four, eight, eight years, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, she's a very accomplished horsewoman. And so I put her on the old pony and went to the beach and, um, she stayed a couple of nights with her mate and then she come back and stayed and was looking for a job and never left. Mm. So, yeah. Your irresistible charm obviously had oh, something to no, do with no, it. No. Perseverance, she reckons, she reckons. <laughs> <laughs> I, chased, I chased pretty hard, but yeah. Yeah, I bet uh, you did. I, I wasn't, I wasn't going to go without fighting, mate. She's, <laughs> yeah, she's a group one filly, mate. Oh, group absolutely. one filly, that one, yeah. Mal, just hold on there for a moment. We'll clear a commitment on the podcast and back with Malcolm Fitzgerald in just a moment. The Illawarra Turf Club turned on a day to remember at Kembla Grange on November the 23rd to bring down the curtain on a remarkable Everest carnival. Mr Seawolf's win in the feature gave jockey James MacDonald a unique double. The hunter and the gong in the inaugural year of the two new races. There'll be a few more highlights before year's end. Thursday, December 12th, we'll see the running of the Wyong Magic Millions two-year-old classic and the Magic Millions three and four-year-old stakes. To Randwick on Saturday the 14th of December for the running of the time-honoured Group 2 Villiers and the half-million-dollar English Nursery with the Group 3 Summer Cup scheduled for Boxing Day. Keep an eye out for one of the popular night meetings at Canterbury Park, a perfect venue for a Christmas party. The show rolls on in New South Wales racing as an unforgettable 2019 comes to a close. Well, let's review the life of young Malcolm Fitzgerald. You were born at Dunedoo, also the birthplace of Hugh Bowman. Your mother died, Mel, when you were only three, and you and your siblings became wards of the state. Your foster parents were very special people. Your dad, Cole, was a farmer, and I think your mum owned a milk bar in town. Yeah, that's correct, Abby. You make me cry. To it. Um, I don't want to do that. We were blessed. No, we were blessed, Abby. Dead mm. set. We were blessed, mate. Uh, Fitzgeralds, oh, brilliant people. They had four kids of their own and took us three, two and a half thousand acres I grew up on. Mm. And, um, yeah, you know, I could go shooting on my own when I was 10 years of age. Mm. You had chores. I could drive a tractor before I could drive a car. You know, you worked. Mm. And um, you learned the right way too. If you did something wrong, don't worry, the old man's belt would come off and he'd, mm. he'd push, strap it around your backside. But you, you learned. <laughs> You learned. Didn't do you any harm, did it? Nah, dummy, no. I was a rotten little mongrel at some stages, but yeah. he's, um, they were beautiful people, Tabby. Dad said to take three of us so we weren't separated. And mm. Yeah, beautiful mum's still doing not too bad. She's in Dunedin Hospital at the moment and she she's her legs are gone on her. She can't get about, but she's healthy enough and um yeah, the old man's got his wings. We mm. lost him quite a few years ago, but he was nearly 90 when he died, the old fella. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, he was 50 years of age when he took us, Tabby, 50. Was he? You know, yeah. That's my age now, you know, just having three kids of my own now and, mm. you know, just taking three on, bang, off the bat, you know. Mm. No electricity, you know, just, yeah, what a beautiful, beautiful man. 
You were originally apprenticed to a man called John Curran in Dunny-Doo, but your first winner, Kuldara King, was trained by Kip Azar. Yes, uh, that's right, Tappy. Yeah, the meeting was at the historic Menduran track <laughs> where racing was first held, Mal, in 1856, and they're wow. still racing there. They have, what, one or yeah. two meetings a year, don't they? Yeah, they do. They do, Tappy. Ronnie Quinton's hometown. Mm. I met Mr. and Mrs. Quinton, Ronnie's mum and dad, that day. Yep. I did. And, um, yeah, little did I know, years on, Mr. Quinton would become my mentor, you mm. know, just a champion, legend. Mm. So. Now, what about the win on Kuldara King? I'll bet you remember it very clearly. Yeah, he was um, – he, he didn't like being hit with the whip tappy and – I couldn't do much on him. Dad said if I'd have um, burped on him, other things would have <laughs> But he, um, he, I used to sit on him like a little church mouse and, come on, mate, come on, come on, you know, and he loved it. He loved being held together like P. Cook would ride him and mm. um, I didn't know any better. I just, you know, used to sit on him and talk to him and he just would run and um, he'd run them off their legs and I won five five straight on him. My first five winners were on him and mm. I think three three of them were cups. So I was very lucky to he, he was instrumental to just give me a bit of a kick oh, at yeah. that horse, you know. Your first taste of the big smoke and your first taste of homesickness came when you spent four months with Neville Begg at Randwick. Neville Begg was very good to you on one occasion, Mal. You were telling me the story you got quite sick there uh, for 24 hours and he was most concerned. I was burning up, you know, sweats and Mr. Begg never drove and, you know, I woke up at midnight and here he was, caught a taxi into the stable and putting a, you know, a cold washer on me head. That's it. That's what he did. Yeah, that's the type of bloke he was. Just a, a wonderful, wonderful man. And, um, yeah, he was he was instrumental to helping me as a jockey and a, and a human being, you know, he's just a beautiful, beautiful man. He had a great team around him, Frankie Williams, and um, he had Quentin, Harris, Moses as his jockeys, and, um, yeah, old Artie, they looked after us. That was He was a beautiful man, Mr. Big, very, mm. very, very good man. Well, he's getting into his high 80s now, Mel, and I'm told his health in recent times hasn't been uh, the best. Uh, but he's, his memory's still very good. He's extremely fluent, and I'd love to get him on this podcast one day, and you've just jogged my memory. Uh, he's a champion, Tappy, one of the greatest trainers and blokes you'd meet in the industry. And he's left a dynasty, you know, his family, all his family are involved in it. Mm. So, yeah. Did you ride a few winners during the four months in Sydney? No, I didn't ride a winner, Tappy. I rode a couple of seconds mm. I think I had 20 something rides and I rode a couple of seconds but I did have a ride I stayed for the extra month for Dominic Byrne mm. and he had a horse in an apprentice race at yeah. Ramick and I think it was the David Green handicap and mm. Mr um, Dominic Byrne asked me to stay and so I stayed an extra month and rode his horse in that apprentice race so mm. and and I think he ran 6th or 7th and what were the high-profile horses that Neville Begg had in the stable during your tenure? Um, Judy Ann, um, uh, Ravenstone, Judy Ann. Uh, there was a man, what was a black man's name? She was amazing. Um, Ronnie ran a couple, he ran an Oaks on her. So her name eludes me. Yeah, it was it November Rain? 
No, it wasn't November rain. Such a... Oh, God, she used to float. Yeah. Um, there was a horse that I can remember was called Four Papa. Mm. I lo- he, he went the fastest I can remember. I've never um, ever been on a horse. I'd only rode bush horses and I rode this horse. Yeah. And then I'd come back in, Mr. Begg, just see how fast he went. He said, shh, son, shh. <laughs> <laughs> he, won on the, he won on the Wednesday. I don't know whether Ronnie or Kevin rode him. Yeah. Um, yeah Warwick Farm, I think he held the course record for over a mile mm. for a long time. Yeah, Four uh, Papa was a very useful welter-type horse. He was yeah, owned by was a lady called Joy Gleeson. Yeah, that's them. Yeah, and well, he loved Warwick them. Farm, Mel, for some reason. Yeah. I think if you look at his record, most of his wins were at Warwick Farm. Yeah, he, was a, he went the fastest I've ever been on horse. He took me yeah. breath away. You got windburn. <laughs> yeah, I did, Davy. He definitely won. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I think there was um, uh, Whisk. I rode Whisk uh, for Mr. Bag. The mother and, uh, of Tie the Knot. Tie the Knot, yeah, that's mm. it. Yeah, and that Twildy Orr, Twildy Orr was another awesome, yeah. was there. And I don't know who she threw, but she became a champion broodmare. But yeah. she, she won a couple of group ones too. Was that her name? Uh, not not Eau de Toile. That's her, that's her. Eau de Toile, I think she became the dam of a golden slipper winner, Bint Masque. Yeah, is that right? Mm. There you go. So you're a good judge. <laughs> well, well, after some very happy times with Neville Begg, you headed back to Dubbo where Tom Mulholland took over your indentures and he was another man who had a very big influence on your career. Yeah, he was awesome, Tappy. There was none better than TJ. He was a Theo Green of the West. You know, your Nelson Logues, um, your Darlunge, your Dynamite Lloyds. You know, um, Bobby Alyssa, um, uh, Chris Whiteley, they all come up under Tommy. And, um, yeah, he was a brilliant man. Lived with him in Morty. And, um, yeah, he was stick to the fence, son, stick to the fence. And I rode so many winners just staying in close mm. and being patient. Um, but he was he was a beautiful, beautiful soul, Tommy. Looked after me. Mm. That's it. I've been very lucky, Tappy. All my life, I've had the right people there. You know, even to PV, Peter Volandi's looking after me. You know, giving me this job. I didn't think I'd find a job as rewarding as teaching kids, but definitely, I found another one. So, very lucky. You were 19 years old when you became a member of the Nebo Lodge riding ranks. Now, yes. during this time, you formed a very special friendship with the universally respected Ken Russell who lost yeah. his life in a fall 25 years ago. He wow. was a great friend, Mel, and a great mentor, wasn't he? His photo still hangs where I work now, Tabby. Mm, lovely. Yeah, he's a legend, mate. He was a kind fella. He'd take me. I know I lent me brother, me car for six or 12 months, and um, I was catching the float of the races, and uh, Kenny just said, take me. And he, he didn't need to be there, but he'd wait or he'd go early. You know, he'd pick me up. He's just a yeah, terrific, terrific bloke. Yeah, none better than the K. Russell, mate. Another Nebo Lodge jockey was Craig Carmody. And he, he too became a close friend. Yeah, Beeper, champion. I was like again, Tappy. Just, you know, this industry's full of good people and, you know, they look after the young ones coming through. Because, you know, we don't forget that – well, they didn't forget that that was them once upon a time, you know. So mm. very, very lucky, very lucky. You may not have caught up with the news, uh, Mal, that Beeper or Craig Carmody 
trained a winner at the Gosford meeting on Saturday. He'll be tickled yes. pink. Yeah, good on him. I've seen him a couple of times when I take my daughter Molly May down to Ramwick and, um, yeah, for the holidays she rides for Ronnie. She goes down and spends a bit of time with Mr Quentin and, um, yeah, I see Beeper there. It's always good to catch up with him. Many people will be surprised to learn that your main role model was a bloke called Gavin Duffy, a yeah, multiple Duff. Group 1 winning jockey who pioneered the use of excessively short stirrup leathers. Gosh, he rode short, got him into trouble a few times. Yeah, down south it did. Duff, Duff mm. used to lose nine, ten kilos before he rode. He did it so hard. Mm. And, I, and I know what it was like, you know, him and Harry. It wasn't like they were like Miracle and they, he had breakfast and went to the races. You know, these fellas lost, you know, six kilos sometimes, you know. Um, and you had to be at your best, you know. You had to have your mind on the game. And he was a brilliant Brilliant balance. He's freak. He was a great judge of pace, and he he was dead set a, a legend. I love G Duffy. He helped me, helped me so much when I weight wouldn't come off. He was there, mm. you know, in the sauna with me at four o'clock in the morning. You know, dead set. You know, getting the weight off. Yeah, yeah. Come on, son. You got to get off. You know. Yeah. And um, you know, we'd play squash, tennis. You know, sauna, train. Um, yeah, we became good mates. He's a good friend, Duff. You had more broken bones in your riding <laughs> career than any other six jockeys. Every time Malcolm Fitzgerald hit the deck, he broke something. I think the only thing you didn't break was your left ear. Yeah, you're going to clip me under the ear there one day. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I needed it too that day. Don't worry about that, Tabby. No, I was, I was, I was lucky, Tabby. Lucky, mate. This is a, you know, the fellas that end up in a chair or end up losing their lives are the unlucky ones. You get on a horse, you'll fall off at some stage, do you know what I mean? And I was mm. lucky enough to get up and walk away from them. Had a few hair eyes and moments at different times, but, um, you know, I was able to overcome them and, yeah, did what I did. It's all history now, Tabby. You were around in the era of a 51-kilogram limit weight. Now, many modern-day jockeys wouldn't be in business if that were still the case. You tried to the uh, to ride close to the limit whenever possible, with horrendous consequences. Now, Mel, like many jockeys of the day, and I guess it still happens, you swallowed fluid pills as though they were lollies. Yeah, I I, I used to take them early on, but I didn't like them. I hated them, Tabby. Mm. I used to um, Duramine was my go, and and they're barred now. They're laced with speed, so you were virtually taking speed. And riding, you know, but you could lose, you know, I had to lose three kilos or three and a half kilos every time I rode. Mm. And um, it was just, you were able to do it on that drug, but it was no good to you. No. And, you know, the years to come, it ruined my 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 system. Mm. You know, it took me 12 months once I retired to for my body to come back to being normal. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it was yeah, it was not real good. The best I ever did it was through training out at Windsor yep. at Club Fitness with Jimmy Hamill and, um, Johnny, Johnny McDonald, I think it was, and um, they looked after me out there too. That was the best I ever did it. But I still took half a Duramind every morning. I'd put half a Duramind on my tongue and then I didn't eat. You know, you'd have your one wheat big for breakfast and, you know, your lean cuisine for lunch and your lean cuisine for dinner and, you know, you just trained. Mm. But I was super fit, super fit. Yeah, and that was on, on one of the comebacks. 
uh, when yeah. you got into that fitness centre. I remember coming there with a television crew one day to do a little story on you. Yeah, that was, yeah, I'm about 30 kilos. Heavy <laughs> <laughs> hey, I Mel- looked like I swallowed a sheep. I told a bloke <laughs> I should have shore him first. A <laughs> hey, one horse you wasted to ride was a Queenslander called Post Elect, trained by Laurie Mayfield-Smith. You won yeah. four races on that horse, including the 1990 Villiers, in which you had a titanic tussle with a horse called Don't Play, ridden by the late Neil Williams. Yeah, Tappy, he was a good horse for me. He was a bloody brilliant horse for me. Mm. Um, you know, that day that he, he gave me something, that horse, I screamed, no, God, no, because I'd had a horse drop dead on me at... Um, at Hawkesbury on the Tuesday, mm. and four of me mounts won that day. It was good luck for Wayne Harris. I think he rode three of them. Mm. Um, but um, that horse, he won, and I'd had a few quarters on injections to get there. Mm. And I know that Laurie could have put on Mick Dittman, and he stayed solid with me. Mm. And um, we had the lead. We led, and he fought back. But, you know, 80 metres from the post, I screamed, no, God, no. And I know that horse lifted for me and fought back because he was headed mm. and um, got a neck behind um, don't play and he headed and he gave me everything, mm. that horse. And he, he was never the same after that tappy. He was about 40 kilos lighter after that. and mm. Yeah, and then he was sort of ranged up to him in the Doncaster. And oh, he didn't some, he? That was a good run. Know. That was the following year, Mel. Yeah, the Doncaster it. won by Superimpose. You ran fifth. Yeah. You were yeah. three and a half lengths behind Superimpose. Gee, it was a good run. Yeah, Beadman followed me, give him a run or race. Mm. <laughs> no, he was a good horse. He was a good horse. And so Laurie Mayfield Smith's loyalty was, yeah, awesome mm. to him. It was a massive coincidence that you rode winners for the three Mayfield Smith's brothers, Brian, Noel and Laurie. Well, they were, you know, the boss, Brian, was, you know, he was hard and tough. He had 120 horses in work. He had a job to do. If you didn't do the job, you were out the gate, and that's what he'd say to you, you know. So um, mm. as a kid, you know, um, in, you just did what he said to a certain extent. Um, I just wanted him to always say, good ride, son. If he wanted me to lead on something and if they went too quick, He'd expect you to, um, you know, to be third or fourth or fifth or sixth. Mm. But as long as it won, if it didn't win, you're in trouble. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but um, no, you couldn't get a better bloke, mate. Mm. You couldn't get a better bloke. No, um, good friend. Um, yeah, you couldn't get a better bloke. About the same time as post elect, you got yourself on a brilliant filly trained by Dave Sweeney. Her name was Cloudlet. You won five races on her, including four two-year-old races. She won the Gosford Slipper, and you actually rode her in Tursa's Golden Slipper. You ran about sixth. Yeah, that's it, Tabby. She um, she had a lovely run in the Slipper, but just couldn't get the 1,200. Mm. Um, but, yeah, she was a brilliant little filly for me too, Tabby. I was all about it. Never rode a Group 1 winner. I was there. Was that happened a couple of times? Just a ounce of luck that it might happen, but I was only ever a Group Two winning job. And um, but she was a brilliant, brilliant filly. You know those days. So what a, it was awesome, Tappy. You know, just magnificent being a part of all of that. You know, you had Johnny Marshall, Dipman, Russell, Carmody, Olsen, Cassidy's. Um, you know, Russell. Yeah, uh, you were surrounded by talent. Yeah, De Montfort, yep. Cook, mm. Cooksley, 
Di, yep. Dittman. Great you know, riders all around you. Yeah, all around you, mate. All around you. Now, worse than the wasting and far worse than the broken bones were the ravages of encephalitis, <laughs> which you contracted in 1992. You were a very sick boy and recovery was agonisingly slow. How long were you out? Nine months it took me out of the saddle, Tappy. took me out of doing mm. anything, actually. I was um, I was very sick, Tappy. It was just if I did something, I'd end up with these headaches, bad headaches, and I'd end up in bed in a fetal position. Mm. Um, but, yeah, that wasn't real good. I didn't like that time much at all. But, um, you know, one, once again, you know, we're resilient, and it's in adversity we grow most, Tappy. Mm. You know, being given the silver spoon or, you know, it don't help you grow, just helps you be spoiled. Spit mm. the dummy next time, but mm. it's dead set the time when you've got your back against the wall, when things are against you, that you find out most about who you are and what you're about. And so, you know, and that's, you know, I'm lucky. You know, I'm very, like I said, I'm lucky I can walk, talk, smell, feel, love, you know, three brilliant kids, great missus, incredible mm. job, you know, in one of the greatest industries in the whole wide world, third biggest industry in the world. Uh, in Australia, I mean, it's just yeah. Deal with horses. What a what a yeah. But that wasn't much good, Tabby. That was more amounts of pain. Um, yeah. I'm very pleased I rang you, Mel. You're you're an inspiration to everybody. Ah, uh, thanks, Tabby. Now, mate, when you thanks, finally got back after that nine months hiatus, you were in good shape because that yes. was when you were doing all of the uh, gymnasium work and very yes. little wasting and, and yes. a mountain of exercise every day yes. of the week, and yes. you were in great shape when you got back to the saddle, and the trainer to give you a kickstart was Peter Nestor, yeah. who had moved down from the Western Districts to Rose Hill, and your first winner back, here's the date, 17th of June 1993 at Wyong on a horse called Prego Power. Yeah, you're giving me goosebumps, Taffy. <laughs> That's sad. He was a he was a bit of a flea old prego, and um, you just have to just yeah. I didn't didn't hit him. Just picked him up. I think Demontford ran second, and Carmody ran third. But that was awesome. Peter Nesta, what a what a great horseman. What a dynasty. His his families, you know. Um, the support I got to was brilliant champion. That's it. And there was where I started at Dubbo. You know, he was the first stable I ever walked into. You know, for work experience was Peter Nestor's. So, you know, him and Mick, they always looked after me, just brilliant family. Um, but, yeah, that was a buzz. That that was just back into it. And, yeah, I was super fit then, Tappy. Resting Pulse was 36. Yeah, I was yeah, a lead athlete. Now, two weeks after that Wyong win, it was Peter Nestor again who put you on a little mare called Kai Shan in a midweek race at Canterbury, and I can still see it. You yeah. came right along the fence to tip yeah, him out. That's it. Yeah, you called it, Tabby. I Up did, the yeah. fence, Fitzgerald. Don't worry, I'll pull him out every now and again and yeah. show the kids the videos. <laughs> oh, not again, Dad. Yeah, we're living, we're living the dream again. Yeah, it's great. Uh, too funny, but um, yeah. Up the fence, Mick owned a bit of it, him and his wife. So I was on it. That was awesome to win for them, you know. Mm. Uh, but that's the our sport, you know. You look at the enjoyment that it gets, 
gives to people when the horses there win and, you know, not only the prize money's gone through the roof with PV and racing New South Wales, mm. you know, just the enjoyment of cheering the horses home, you know, you just don't get any better than that. And that was, that's one of the best things being a jockey is you, you know, you're the final um, cap of the of the road in regards to, you know, you've got to get him home, the trainer's done his job, the horse is ready there and you've got to do your job. So, you know, it's very, very rewarding. To, um, to be a jockey, but I do know that it's even more rewarding when you when you train them. I, I do, yeah. When Bubba Love Life won, that was um, yeah pretty special. So I know how much the trainers get out of it too, which is yeah very lucky. At the end of 1993, you got on a very handy stayer called Striking Gold to win the Group Three Summer Cup at Randwick. Trainer was Liam Birchley. He was a coot of a horse to ride, wasn't he, Mel? And he hung in uh, onto a horse called Double Take in the last little bit, Larry Cassidy's mount. I think Larry fired in a protest. Yeah, I was lucky then onto that one, Tappy. But thank God, you know, I stopped and straightened. The rule says stop and straighten as soon as they shift, and I did. I couldn't have done any more. If I did him one more time with that whip, I'd have lost that protest, I reckon. Mm. Um, but thank God I stopped and straightened. But he was a bit tricky to ride. He was a good horse. He had a dead set, been a handy horse, but he got sick. He had been a Caulfield Cup horse, anything 2,400. He was a brilliant horse, tough, mm. tough. But, um, yeah, he just need an ounce of luck for him to go that next step and he got sick, but he was a good horse. And Liam Birchley, well, he was instrumental for me staying at Mayfield Smith too because when the boss gave me a spray when I first went down there, <laughs> I said, I'm going home. My dad don't even talk to me like the boss just spoke to me. And, and Liam, um, he just said to me, Liam Birchley, he said, you just, son, pull your head in. Listen, yeah. come on. Cop it, sweet. Cop it, Look him in the eye. Be a young man. Look him in the eye when he's blowing up at you. Yeah. You know? And, um, yeah, so, yeah, I've got Liam to thank heaps and clocker Craig Thompson that was good I rode that horse for him. Yeah, you do realise, so, Malcolm, that you were not the only jockey to receive a spray from Brian. No, <laughs> he didn't miss you. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have it on your own. <laughs> uh, there's a couple of foremans that used to like me. Um, they'd sing out to your Monday morning, Kiwi Kev, the boss wants you in the office yeah. and he'd have a smile on his face because he knew you didn't ride one well on a Saturday at Randwick. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going, you're going to get it. <laughs> but, um, you know, you, you learn from your mistakes, Tabby, as long as you don't make the bloody thing again. So Yeah, that's right. Make you know, a new one. Don't make, make the same one. one. <laughs> that's right. Now, right at the very end of your career, you were still riding at 52 or 53 and within weeks of your retirement – you were 61 or 62. As Lenny Beasley would say, you had the mind of a jockey inside the body of a rugby league halfback. Yeah, there you go. Oh, I can remember the last ride I had was at Ramming. It ran second. And um, I was 53-7. Mm-hmm. And on the Monday, I was 60 and a half. Oh. But I was... D- Doing it all wrong, Tappy. You know, I'd only rode every now and again and I'd take the weight off and and I can remember speaking to the stewards on the Monday. I spoke to uh, Mark Van Gestel and um, he said, why shouldn't we find you? And I said, that's the end of me, mate. I'm retiring. I can't keep doing it, you know. And I didn't. I didn't didn't go back because um, I didn't have the discipline or the dedication that I had years earlier mm. to do, 
opportunity, I I was over it, you know, and which is fair enough. But you know, as the time comes, you've got to, you know, admit that and move on. And 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 I did. But um, food, Tucker, you know, I start. I never used to drink when I rode. I had had a taste of whiskey when I walked away from it and didn't mind it. So, mm. and that was no good because if you had a couple of drinks, you'd want to um, eat a kebab. You know, so um, <laughs> you just couldn't do it if you were in that that shape. So, no. you know, it was better for me to let it go, Tappy, and I did. But I was very, yeah, yeah, I was a pretty lucky champion away from all the falls and and being the person I am now, team. You know, now I believe there might be another jockey in the family. Your seventeen-year-old <laughs> daughter Molly May is about to be indentured to Wayne Wilkes at Taree, and you tell me she is obsessed with becoming a jockey. Yeah, she's mad on a tabby. She loves it, mate. She loves horses. She's very, very well balanced. She's got beautiful hands. Um, she's committed. You know, she's um, in year 12 now, and they start year 12 now and, and next year, and then she'll um, she'll start race riding the end of next year, hopefully. Um, but she loves it, Tappy. She's been on them since she could hold her head up, mate. And I, it was, I've never pushed her. It's all her choice. Mm. Um, like um, it's her life, not mine. Um, and But she loves horses and she loves racing. Uh, she likes going fast. Mm. And, um, yeah, she's, yeah, well, looking she... really forward to her um, um, going forward. Yeah, I'll bet you'll be there when she makes her debut and you'll have no fingernails left. <laughs> yeah, you might be right there, Toby. You might be right there, Toby. But now, she's Mel, brilliant. She's a good kid. What about your younger daughter, Lacey, and your son, Cameron? Are they horsey? Um, Lulu is. Lulu Lacey Jane is. She's um, got a little grey, beautiful little grey horse that she's just finished breaking in and um, she's 11 and put all the mouthing gear and rebroke him and got him going pretty good. So he'll start the scene next year, show jumping scene and um, taking him to the shows. But she loves riding. She's a good little rider, been on him, same as Muppets. Cam, he rode for a bit, but he'd, he'd ride Pony Club and he'd go for, for half an hour and say, I've had enough, Dad. But <laughs> he, he's, he's, he's more into motorbikes and uh, mountain bikes and jumping and, yeah, scooters and backflips and mm. yeah whatever he does he's quite talented that too team you know but both they're all they're good kids um very lucky very very lucky blessed with our well they've they've turned out so well, you're in a, a dad like me you're in a pretty good place malcolm you've got a partner who shares your passion you've got three children who are very involved in your life you can eat and drink whatever you like and get to play with horses every day. You've conquered the ravages of bushfire. <laughs> you, you couldn't possibly script it any better, could you? Oh, talking to you takes the icing on the cake, mate. Talking to you, Tabby. Um, thank you, Johnny. I'm very lucky, mate. Blessed, champion. Like I said, thank God for the racehorse, or otherwise we wouldn't have a job. <laughs> okay. so. Mel, it's been a delight having you on the podcast. Lovely to catch up. And I'll pop in one day when I get to Oxley Island. I'd love to chuck you on on Maximus and take you down the beach, Tabby. <laughs> Lovely. You got me. Good on you, Tabby. Give my regards to William the Sheep. Yeah, I will, champion. Good <laughs> on you, mate. Thanks, Mel. Thanks for talking to us. Bye, Tabby. And this podcast was produced by Supernova Sound. <laughs>
podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Ingress.